The Ryan Case, 1873, is an interactive murder mystery in which you are the detective. Scour the streets, catch a killer, and have yourself a grand old time. Visit www.liveintheatre.com or call 212-780-4787. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back and greetings to you, my beautiful screamers. And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets banned. This is episode 33, and tonight, the nightmare closet creaks open again. So come inside, because it's all aboard. We're catching the midnight train to hell with Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Donald Sutherland in the Amicus Anthology classic, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. And then, the crapshoot is back, and we're setting our crosshairs this time on a little gay horror movie called Skull and Bones. Oh my god, there will be blood. So lock your doors, cross your fingers, and fluff out your weaves, because the fun is about to begin right after this. 525,600 minutes. Hey everybody, it's me again. Oh my god, you're probably thinking, does this queen ever shut up? And when it comes to this topic, no I don't. Because right now I'm here to plug my latest concert with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. Now this June we're doing a very special outreach program as part of our Pride series. And it's called Accentuate the Positive, singing new stories about HIV and AIDS. And we're going to take a fresh look at how we see HIV. In an upbeat and joyful celebration, New York City Gay Men's Chorus will explore how life with HIV and AIDS has changed over the last three decades. We salute the insights and humor of the survivors, gay and straight, black and white, young and old. We're recounting their diverse, fascinating, moving, and at times hilarious stories, unified by struggle and a universal determination to thrive, overcome, and live life to the fullest. And this year, our very special guest is Freddie Walker Brown, who is the original company of Rent on Broadway. Plus, you're going to get to see me singing Totally Fucked from Spring Awakenings. What could possibly be cooler than that, yo? So come on down and see what positive lives look like. Bring your lovers, bring your families, bring your friends, and bring your memories. So be with me and the rest of the guys here at Pride as we mark more than 30 years of love and loss. But above all, life. And you know what? Just for you, my beautiful screamers, I've got a special discount for you. If you go over to the website, www.nycgmc.org, and enter the code ATP, you're going to save 10% off your ticket price. So, that's Accentuate the Positive, Wednesday, June 29th at 8pm, the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts on the NYU campus. Be there, or be a loser, yo. Once again, my beautiful screamers. Oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you guys. Oh, gosh, I'm so stupid at the start of the show all the time, aren't I? Shut up. It was a rhetorical question. Anyway, what the hell's been going on with me? Good Lord, where do I start? Well, first of all, I want to say a huge congratulations to all of my podcasting buddies out there who have been on this health kick recently. I, I mean, 
the number of you out there who are, are going way out of your way, taking these huge steps in weight loss and getting back into shape and getting fit and getting healthy, it's inspiring, and I applaud you. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And you know what? You've inspired me to get off my lazy ass and get back to the gym as well. So, because, you know, I can't show up at the next Horror Hound weekend and have you motherfuckers looking better than me, right? <laughs> like, that's going to happen anyway. But, you know, just got to eliminate any possible threat. Can we just talk about something here? Can we just talk about, can we just talk about this whole Pope John Paul II thing here for a moment? I went to Catholic school for 17 years, and I'm fascinated by this whole fast track for the Pope. And, you know, I don't really agree with it, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is what happened the day I met the Pope. Yeah, I met Pope John Paul back when I was in college. See, we had gone, I'd gone on some school trip. We were going to be in Rome for two weeks and, you know, touring around looking at, you know, Pompeii and shit like that. And we were there over Little Christmas and the Feast of the Epiphany. So we got passes to a Mass at the Vatican with the Pope. So we got there early thinking it was going to be like a rock concert would get the best seats. But you know what? We wound up we wound up all the way in the fucking back. But I had an aisle seat. And I'm sitting there in my little aisle seat. And the rest of my aisle, my row rather, was nuns. Non-English-speaking nuns. And... They're being all reverent and shit, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's like 6.30 in the morning, please get this started. So it finally starts, and the Pope starts walking down the aisle, and these nuns lost their motherfucking minds. Before you know it, it's like fucking Beatlemania with these nuns. They're screaming, they're flashing their titties, they're jumping around, and there was this throng of nuns that just beat the crap out of me trying to get to the aisle to touch the Pope. And I swear to god, one of them stabbed me with a pin. A nun pulled a fucking, like, habit pin out of her shit and stabbed me in the goddamn shoulder. So I got stabbed at the Vatican by a nun in front of the Pope. I got stigmata, bitch. But I guess I would suppose nothing less for an infidel like me. Anyway, so Bradford and I were at the diner the other day, and it's really not that interesting a story, but, you know, I look up at the TV at the corner of my eye, and there was some news program on. I don't know what they were talking about, but they focused on this little sign that said, Do you know what the fear of being laughed at is called? It's called gelatophobia. Now, I've learned since that they spelled it wrong. It's actually gelatophobia with an O, but they spelled it gelatophobia, like the Italian ice cream. Now, this has been a huge source of humor for me ever since. Ooh, I'm afraid of that ice cream that's not really ice cream. I got gelatophobia. Hey, what are you so scared of? It's just gelato. Hey! You want I should get you some spumoni instead? I know, I'm so scared. So stupid. So Bradford and I, it's been our big joke all week. It's really not that funny in translation, but you know what? Fuck you. If you're not laughing, good. I have gelatophobia. <laughs> Stop laughing at me! <laughs> I'm amused by it, so. And we just thought, what a stupid fear. What a stupid fear, because if you tell somebody, hi, I'm afraid of being laughed at, my phobia is that I have a severe fear of being laughed at. I'm probably going to laugh at you. I'll be like, ha ha, you're kidding. And they'll be like, ah, run out of the room screaming. I'll be like, oh, they must have gelatophobia. What flavor? Stupid. I just, I can't. <laughs> Bradford's like, that would make a great stand-up comedy act. <laughs> a stand-up comedian with gelatophobia. <laughs> get the audience laughing at him, but then make sure all the doors are locked so that he can't get out. Everybody's <laughs> laughing at him trying to get it. It's stupid. Never mind. Moving on. It's retarded. That's right, I said retarded. Now, I know there's this big kick lately. All of a sudden, everyone's trying to get rid of the R word. Hold on, kids. I'm about to get political. Yeah, I know. I use the R word a lot. I say retarded a lot. 
Okay, I'm not going to lose it for my vocabulary. I don't like being told what I can and cannot say. And I think the idea of people getting rid of words is just dumb. And saying things like, ooh, the N-word and the R-word and the P-word and the S-word, it's just juvenile and it's the same as saying it anyway. If you want to get rid of a word, I suggest you stop using it and lead by example. You know, don't tell me what I can and cannot say. If you make something forbidden, you make, you make something taboo, you make it even more desirable. Now it's forbidden. It's forbidden. Now I can say it and get this little dark thrill out of it as well. So just shut up. Just shut up. Really, I hate adult talk, you know, fake cursing like they're five. Oh, you're acting like such a B-I-T-C-H. Shut up. And plus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many words are we going to get rid of? How many words are we going to get rid of? Because, you know, honestly, I mean, people I know would like to get rid of the word faggot, which I understand, and I, 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 I completely understand that. But what are you going to replace it with, the F word? There already is an F word. We're going to have the other F word? There's only 26 letters of the alphabet, so we can only cut out 26 expletives without it getting completely confusing. Going to need the goddamn Rosetta Stone just to be able to curse someday. And just fuck that. Let her rip. If you don't like it, tell me you don't like it, and I won't say it around you. You fucking faggot retard. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, so I bought sneakers a couple of weeks ago. I bought these, you know, these Skechers, you know, tone-ups. Not the shape-ups, just the tone-ups. And for some reason, I'm waiting in line, and I had an impulse buy. I saw these things on the, on the rack, and I just had to buy them. I don't know why I bought them, and I didn't find them funny at the time, but I found them funny when I got home. I bought sneaker balls. One word. Sneaker balls. These little blue balls that you put in your sneakers to deodorize them. Not funny at all, except that they're called sneaker balls. <laughs> and it led me saying things like, hold on, i got to put my balls in my sneakers. And <laughs> the thing that's funny, for some reason, when I try to take my balls out of my sneakers, there's one ball, the left ball, <laughs> the ball in the left shoe, seems to always stick. So I'm like rattling the shoe, trying to get my ball to drop out of the sneakers. <laughs> I have an undescended sneaker ball. Even the packaging is funny. The packaging looks like balls. <laughs> you take them, not as obvious when the balls are in the packaging, but when you take the balls out of the packaging, you've got these ghost balls encased in hard plastic just sitting there. I love them. I love my sneaker balls. I want them in every color of the rainbow. I'm just amazed it took me three hours to even make the connection that it was anything funny with this product at all. But to the makers of sneaker balls, I applaud you. I love your product. I don't know how well it works, but you know what? It entertains the shit out of me, and that made it worth my $5. Oh, so um, a couple of weeks ago, the chorus had this uh, event that I had signed up for, volunteered for. There was I kind of half knew what it was. It was some sh Bully diggy dooly at the library, at the New York Public Library. We're supposed to go in and sing, you know, a half hour worth of music. And I'm like, okay, great, whatever. Now, I forgot about it up until the day I got an email reminder. I'm like, oh, shit, it's that thing today. And I'm reading the email. It's like, okay, we're wearing our tux attire. I'm like, oh, okay, I thought we were just going to be wearing our more casual event t-shirts that we have. You know, our outrage t-shirts that we wore at the uh, AIDS walk. But no, we're getting all dressed up. I'm like, okay, I guess it's fancy schmancy. Well, it turns out this wasn't like a little fundraiser thing. It wasn't a little... Small little hoo-ha, hooray for the library. No, it was the 100th anniversary of the New York Public Library. So this was a gala. A gala, even. Oh, my God. This event was massive. We were performing for something like 800 dignitaries. Yeah, dignitaries. When you looked out into this crowd, there was more money out there than you could possibly imagine. Like I'm like, I'm not even fit to be in this room. These bitches had gold-plated panty liners is what I'm saying. 
You motherfuckers are so rich. And, you know, there was, there was, there was 250 different, you know, performers there and, you know, three other, you know, singing groups and uh, the, the um, New York City uh, marching band. And it was just crazy. It was this whole thing. But the thing that makes this really funny. Now, we're up on this perch in this huge hall. And when I say perch, I mean a perch. You've got 100 guys or so on this tiny little strip of plank wood dangling 30 feet over the main hallway. So this is fucking terrifying. I'm like, ah, okay, nobody move, nobody breathe, or we're all going to plummet to our death like lemmings. And the only way to get up there was this rickety-ass staircase that went up the back of the platform. And I said, I took one look at this staircase, and I said, did anybody else recognize this staircase? And one of the other queens went, showgirls. I'm like, yes, this is the showgirls staircase. So somebody's going to drop their pearls. Somebody's going to go spinning. And I'm just going to be sitting there like, I don't know what happened. She just fell. And there'll be monkey shit somewhere, and it'll all be bad. But the whole thing was fantastic, and it was a glittering evening, even though I was completely mentally unprepared for it. And we got introduced by fucking Barbara Walters. This is how big this shit is. We had the mayor there. We got the governor there. We got Candace Bergen there. We got all these, like... Pulitzer Prize winning authors there. We got like fucking asters came up off the Titanic just to throw some money around. And we got introduced by motherfucking Barbara Walters. Now, let me tell you something about Barbara Walters. A couple of years ago, Bradford and I were given tickets by my friend Tara to go see this thing at Lincoln Center called Conversations with Stephen Sondheim. It was just sitting down with uh, 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 Stephen Sondheim and Frank Rich from the New York Times. They just talked about his life and his career. And, you know, it was a celebrity reach around kind of thing. And, you know, I, I, I mean, Sondheim's great, and I'm a musical theater person. I think he's a genius. I'm not the kind of person who wets the bed every time somebody mentions his name or plays a bit of his music. But I thought it'd be interesting to go. But this place is star-studded as well. You know, Bernadette Peters was there, and all those other people were there. But at one point, they see the thing you got to understand about Mr. Bradford. Mr. Bradford never recognizes anybody. But what he does, it's always big money. And he taps me at one point before the show starts, and he goes, coming up the aisle, isn't that Barbara Walters? And I look, and I'm like, expecting it not to be Barbara Walters, because he's never right about these things. But lo and behold, it was Barbara Walters. And I'm like, holy shit, Bradford, good eye. And he sat there very pleased with himself. And about 10 minutes later, I saw her coming back from the lobby. You know, she had gone out to the lobby, now she's coming back. And she was sitting, of course, all the way in the front. And I turned to him to tell him, oh, look, there she is, when I saw it, staring at me. Barbara Walters was walking down the aisle of Lincoln Center, with about two feet of toilet paper waving off the back of her heel like a booger flapping in the wind. And I was stunned. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. And I'm also thinking, oh my God, nobody's going to tell her. Nobody's going to tell her because she's Barbara Walters. She's going to walk all the way down the aisle with two feet of toilet paper hanging from her heel. And somebody give me my goddamn camera right now! But I didn't get the camera out in time, so that moment was lost to the ages. Until now, spread the word. So anyway, she was introducing us, and I'm like, <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so Bradford and I went to the theater. We went to see Arcadia on Broadway, which is a play by Tom Stoppard. It's a revival. And uh, most of you probably won't give a shit at all, and you probably still won't give a shit. And when I tell you these details, uh, it's a very complicated play. I'd seen it in the original, uh, its original production. And it's got lots of concepts, and it. it's about math and science and art and history and love and loss and... Eventually, it turns out to be not about any of these things, but that's not the point right now. But it starred um, Billy Crudup, who I think is very hot, and it also starred Raul Esparza. Now, some of you might remember I've talked about Raul Esparza on the show before because he 
for genre fans, was uh, the first incarnation of a killer in the Wes Craven piece of shit, My Soul to Take. He's also the guy that gets a Tony Award for just walking through a theater lobby, so I'm sure he's up for nomination. I'm actually not sure. And I'm bringing this up because this is going to come into play later on. Just remember I've talked about this play. Okay? File it away. And since it was such a huge response to Bradford's drunk stories, last time, not that Bradford being drunk, but Bradford's encounters with drunks, on the subway. Last time, here's another one. Bradford evidently was on the subway a few weeks ago with this Asian girl who was very, 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 very drunk. And she was slumped over in her chair, you know, like her head over her knees. And every now and then she'd just look up slowly, she'd slowly pull her head up, like, Aah. and she'd just go, Aah. not throwing up, but just go, and then collapse back down. And then a few seconds later, she raised up. And put her head back down. Eventually, at some point, some guy came and sat next to her. And this man was in full Muslim attire. Clearly a man of, of, of deep religious values. And the girl, while her head was down, just reached over and started feeling the Muslim man's legs. And just kept going higher and higher and higher. Apparently, the Muslim man was just too shocked to do anything. And eventually, she like feeling his leg up. And she looks up. And she looks at him. Looks him in the face and goes... And slumps back down and continue to feel a man up. It's really not that great a story, but you know, it's Brad's fault if you're not laughing. So, Bradford and I had to go out to Long Island yesterday. Uh, and we had to return to my car back to my parents' place because you just can't store shit out here in, in the city. It's just crazy. And to look at some furniture because we're redoing the living room. And, of course, to visit my parents. Now, this was especially cool because I had to follow up on a little something because, you see, my parents are in Florida most of the time now, so I didn't get to see my mom for her birthday in March, and I didn't get to see her for Mother's Day either. However, I, I had visited them a couple of weeks ago, and I was able to give my mom her present, and I wanted to see how her present was being received by her peer group. See, now, here's the thing you have to understand. Since my dad retired, for some reason, in both their house in Long Island and their house in Florida, he's been decorating. And he's decorating everything with roosters. There are just roosters all over both houses. And the joke is, of course, that my dad has gone cock crazy since he stopped working. Apple tree. It's not far. Anyway, Bradford and I were out shopping in like February. And we were in Macy's in Herald Square. And I saw this thing. And I immediately said, I have to buy this for my mother. But it was so stupid, I kept myself from buying it. However, it called to me. I kept saying, Patrick, come back and buy me. Your mother's going to love this. And I said, no, she's either going to love it or she's going to think I'm on crack. And she said, no, you're going to love it. Come back and buy me. Spend your hard-earned cash on this ridiculous thing. So I went back just before Mother's Day, and lo and behold, it was still there. So I finally bought it. What is this mysterious item you're talking about, Patrick? Well, it's a purse. You're like, okay, it's a big deal. I'm like, no, it's a chicken purse. It's a purse that's shaped like a chicken. It's made of that same stuff that, you know, latex masks, masks are made out of, uh, latex, I assume, and it, it's a chicken. And I figured, well, this would be a great companion piece to all the cocks hanging around the house now, you know? And I think my mom is going to be a splash at the country club when she shows up with this chicken dangling off of her arm. Now, either she was going to think it was absolutely ridiculous, or she was going to love it. Well, she loved it. And she also couldn't wait to take it to the hospital while my sister was having chemotherapy because she thought it was going to cheer her up. Which, of course, it did because my sister is laughing at her like she's on the crack. And it did make a splash at the country club. Everyone's like, 
She's telling us, see, like I said, my mother's a very simple woman. She's very innocent in her own right. She's a, she's whip smart as a mom, but as life, she can be kind of oblivious. She's like, oh, all the ladies at the country club were so interested. Everyone was begging to touch it and see it. And Marilyn Riviera came up to me and she said, excuse me, is that a chicken? And I said, why, yes, it is. And everyone was just talking and talking. So my mother is the source of gossip all over the Long Island Country Club scene because of the chicken purse that I provided. Which, of course, a photo of the chicken purse has been provided with the download of this podcast for your own perusal. Are you jealous? Do you want one for your own mom? Go to Macy's. Anyway, so in the midst of all this, uh, my mother is actually very nice because she hasn't seen me since my birthday either. So she baked a cake and she... It was a cake for both me and Bradford because, after all, like I keep saying, we are that adorable. We have the same birthday. But I thought that was very sweet of her. But as we're having our cake, she starts talking about movies. And she started talking about, oh, that time I took you kids to see that Friday the 13th movie. And Bradford said it was so enlightening to hear the story coming from the other side. To hear my mom's side of the story. And he didn't hear this other story of something that happened. Now, I might have talked about this on the show. If I did, too bad. I'm talking about it again. When Poltergeist came out, my mom took me to see it. You know, went to a matinee in the middle of the week. And the theater we went to, there was nobody in the box. There was, whoever was in the box office was like, oh, the ticket machine's not working. Just pay at the candy counter. And we went into the candy counter, and there was nobody there. And we stood there, and we stood there, and we stood there, and we heard the movie starting. So we just went in. And my mom was paranoid the whole time. She kept waiting for someone to come... She kept saying, oh, I'm so afraid that someone's going to come and tap us on the shoulder and make us leave or worse, call the police on us, then we're going to get arrested. So we're watching the movie and just at a very tense moment, I think it was you know, during that whole clown scene, I, I just innocently reached around to the other side of my mom and tapped her on the shoulder. And she went, and Bradford said to me, you are a cruel son of a bitch. I cannot believe you did that to your poor mother. I said, Could, I, I, would you believe it if I didn't do it to my poor mother? And he said, you know what? No, you're right. And I said, exactly. Oh, so let's do a quickie review before we get down into business here. I did check out the sci-fi movie Monsters, and I liked it. I'm not covering it on the show just because it's not really a horror movie. It's not even really a sci-fi movie. The monsters are kind of just incidental. They're, 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 they're representative of something else. It's more about these characters and their journey and what happens with them. I recommend it um, for those who are patient and expecting a movie that's not actually about monsters. They're there, and you see them. They're not as important as you think they'd be. Don't expect a whole lot of attacks and lots of scares and things like that. They are there. They're there, but um, it's more about this whole experience. And it leaves you with a wide open ending that's open for interpretation that I know is going to drive people bananas. But I still say recommend it. And if you don't like it, call me. Let me know why. And I'll make fun of you. I did just want to say my favorite thing about this movie was that the lead actor guy's name was Scoot McNary. I thought, what a great name. It sounds like one of those like 1930s journalists in the movies. But then I thought, wouldn't it be great if he did a movie with Skeet Ulrich? You know, Skeet and Scoot. Hey, I'm Skeet. Really? I'm Scoot. Scoot meets Skeet. Skeet, Scoot. Skeet, Scoot, Scoot, Skeet. I'm hilarious in my own head. Shut up. Okay, well, I think that's all the garbage I've got to get rid of this week. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Better look alive. Is he revving on the power for my fire? And when the odds are against him, and it's dangerous work 
Beware. Beware. Something's about to come out. Out of the closet. The nightmare closet. <laughs> That's right, kids. It's time for another installment of The Nightmare Closet. So, for those of you who are listening to the show for the first time, The Nightmare Closet is the portion of the show where we take a little trip back in time. A time, well, my childhood to be precise. And what we do here is we take a look at a movie that scared the living crap out of me as a kid. And now I examine it as an adult. Uh, Or it might be just something that figured prominently in my childhood, like this movie did this week. This week's selection is, of course, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, which is one of those fantastic anthology movies from Hammer's stiff competition, Amicus Studios. Let's take a listen to the trailer, shall we? Okay. Terror. of horrors. Horrors the screen has never before dared to depict. The terrifying horror of the man killing vine with a human brain that creeps and kills. The terrifying horror of voodoo witchcraft. The terrifying horror of the dead, entombed for 200 years, that creeps its way back to terrorize the living. The terrifying horror of the young doctor, forced to plunge a wooden stake into the breast of his beautiful bride. The terrifying horror of a dreaded man called Dr. Terror, who, with his deck of mystic cards, could foretell destiny. Dr. Terror, who has a strange, horrifying knowledge of the past and future of every man and woman on Earth. The fear of the year clutches at your heart with hands as cold as death. Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. So as you can see, we're in for some good old-fashioned spook show scariness. Now, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors came out in 1965, and it stars the inimitable Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing as Dr. Terror himself. And also stuck in this cast is a really young Donald Sutherland, who I'm discovering did a whole lot of this British horror shit back in the day. Who knew? Not me. You probably did because you're so smart. Anyway... The rap story of this is these five dudes are traveling via train. You know, they're not together or anything, but they have to, they're forced to share one of those British train compartments, which personally would drive me batshit. I'm one of these people who likes my space, you know? I like to keep to myself. And I know me, I'd be trapped in the, in, in the compartment with some motherfucker who won't shut up or won't stop farting or pull some kind of hoodoo voodoo shit that, you know, inflicts impending death on the rest of us all who just just want to get home for christ's sake and anyway that's exactly what happens these these in true british fashion these all these men are sharing the compartment not talking and so oops the train knocks down peter cushing or dr shrek's i should say suitcase spilling its eerie contents hey that's a funny looking deck man (laughs) how do you play poker with these (laughs) (laughs) they're tarot cards you are familiar with the tarot 
I wouldn't say that, but I've seen the cards before. Dr. Schreck. Schreck is a German word, isn't it? It means fright, uh, fear, something like that. The more exact translation would be terror. An unfortunate misnomer, for I am the mildest of men. With really bitchin' eyebrows. Did I mention that? Peter Cushing's got bitchin' eyebrows in this. Please continue. However, I sometimes foretell things that are frightening. With these? They are the key, yes. There is, within each of us, a twin destiny. The natural and the supernatural. The cards are attracted to the supernatural part of that destiny as one pole of a magnet attracts an opposite pole. Supernatural part? The strange, the weird, the unknown, the terrifying, the mysterious. At one time or another during our lives, we may, any one of us, encounter it. This deck can forewarn us. I call it my house of horrors. Now, right around here, the movie started to remind me of that show, The Fortune Teller. Remember that? I talked about it way back in episode 20. That was the freaky puppet show that Bradford and I went to see with the uh, Dark Side Horror Movie Media Group here in New York. And um, it was very similar. A group of strangers getting together, getting their fortunes told, and all of their fortunes point to death, 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 death. Well... Of course, all of them are reluctant, don't want to get it done. Eventually, yeah, they each get their fortunes told, and they all are gruesome and horrific. And I'll touch on a little of each of the stories a little bit here. The first one involves a werewolf, and this one is not so great. It's convoluted. It's hard to follow. This guy, he's going back to his um, ancient family home in Scotland or some crap because some rich, uh, beautiful window, beautiful window, beautiful window wants to renovate the place because, you know, whatever. She wants to turn it into a museum, basically. And in the basement, he finds this coffin. And in this coffin, up, I don't know, the creepy gardener all of a sudden is like, oh, yes, it must be the coffin of the werewolf. It used to own the property. And it's just really strange backstory that is thrown at you like you should know this legend already. And I don't know if this is old, you know, Celtic lore or some crap, but I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And it was confusing. And <laughs> the most entertaining part of this segment for me are the servants in this because he gets to this mansion and... There's these two servants, this gardener-type person and his daughter, who don't seem to do any work. The only work they seem to do, their job, their job description, I should say, seems to be to exchange cryptic glances behind people's backs all the time. Like, mm, 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 mm. This is their job. I want to die cryptically with cryptic notes in their hand that eventually don't mean anything, but anyway... And it's weird. He finds this thing in the bed. He finds his coffin in the basement. He opens it. Something comes out. Immediately afterward, the caretaker's daughter is murdered on the step. And she's all torn apart. And nobody seems to care. Everyone's like, eh. And goes about their business. I'm like, wow, you people are cool. And I don't mean cool like, eh, cool. I mean like, I see, like, for rigid. And eventually, it just, this legend was confusing. And even Bradford didn't like it. Bradford actually said, oh, well, I thought it was going to twist like this and twist like that and twist like this other thing. And I said, you're thinking too hard. I'm like, these anthology movies from this time period, they follow simple comic book storylines with simple comic book twists so if you're thinking like two or three twists in advance you're coming at it from way too modern an approach so just dumb it up dummy watch the damn movie so the second segment uh involves a killer plant so this guy and his family go away on vacation they come home and there's this plant that wasn't there before and they're like oh how peculiar and when in no time at all the plant has choked the shit out of the kid's dog because of course the dog always dies what did i tell you last time and eventually takes over the house now my favorite part of this is when the scientist who comes in to investigate goes a plant which has learned how to defend itself my god a plant like that 
could take over the world. And he keeps saying that a plant like that could do that. A plant like this could do that. And I keep thinking, a plant like that would kill your brother. Forget that plant and buy another. Because that's just how I am in my life. And this is a very funny scene where the scientist is looking at his slides and holding up vials of colored liquid and looking at them. And the plant is creeping in the window and it's kind of hovering over his shoulder. And I just looked at Mr. Brad and went, tickle, 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 tickle. <laughs> because that's what it looked like. And every time the player was sneaking up on anybody, they didn't know he was going to choke him and go tickle, 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 tickle. Because personally, I thought that would have been a great thing. This story, I remember being a lot better as a kid. I remember my dad liked this segment a lot, but this doesn't end. It has no ending whatsoever. It's not even an open ending. It just ceases to tell the story. So fuck this segment. Fuck you, plant. A plant like that could bore the crap out of me. Now comes the third segment, which is about voodoo. And this segment is the most fun. Uh, I mean, it, it's the silliest of the three, and it's about this jazz musician who, uh, on a trip to the West Indies, sneaks into a voodoo ritual because he wants to see some naked titty girls dancing around. He heard everyone's going to be scanty, all the women are scantily clad, and there's going to be wild gyrations, and you know, for scantily clad, I, I, maybe it's a different definition of scantily clad, but they seem pretty damn clad, like three layers of clothing clad, but whatever, there's, there is gyrations and stuff, and he gets the great idea, oh man, I'm gonna, this is a killer riff, I'm going to steal it and use it in my jazz group. Of course, this does not go over well with the locals. And he comes back, he plays it at his club, and of course, all hell breaks loose, and he gets stalked down by big scary voodoo guy. Now, in this segment, <laughs> the part of this segment that you're either going to love or you're going to hate, there's not one, not two, not three, not four, but five musical segments. And a story that's pretty much only 12 minutes long, that's a whole lot of fucking music, and it's all really groovy. You still going through that voodoo thing, man? Sure, why not? I'll tell you one thing. You got guts. Thanks. We'll probably see them before the night's out. Spread all over the floor. They'll eat anything here. Don't worry, though. My uncle's an undertaker. He'll do it for you wholesale. Don't forget the double-breasted lid. Give me something more than just a promise or two. Show me real affection and I'll give my love to you. Take me in your arms and then kiss me. No more false eyes, baby. Give me love right now. Give me love. Oh, yeah, baby. Give me love. That's just what I like. And, okay, the next segment involves the one and only, the great, the master, Christopher Lee. And I just got to tell you this. This is the best segment of the whole thing. Because watching Christopher Lee get terrorized for the, you know, 10 minutes of this segment last is so delicious because for the entire film, in both the rap segment and his story, Christopher Lee is such a huge prick. He's just such an unabashed prick. He deserves everything that he gets. Now, he plays this world-famous art critic. And apparently, in this particular world, if you're an art critic, people stop you on the street. You're like a super celebrity. I'm like, okay. People just love art, okay? And he hates everything, and he's a total cunt. And at this art show, this artist that he's slamming is like, well, ho, I've got this, um, this incredible new artist up and coming, and uh, why don't you take a look at his work while you're here? He's like, well, this is, this is extremely un unorthodox, but I would be happy to. He's like, oh, it's genius, it's lovely, it's this, that, and the other thing. It turns out it's, paint it's painted by a monkey, a chimpanzee. And everybody laughs at him, and every he's made a complete fool out of And Christopher Lee is so pissed off at this, Eventually, he winds up running the guy over out of spite, specifically running over this poor artist's hand so now he can't create anymore, and eventually the man kills himself. 
But lo, immediately after this poor artist's death, Christopher Lee gets stalked by this disembodied hand, just creepy crawling around, trying to grope his business. And this is a lot of fun. You know, whatever he tries to do, he can get rid of this hand. And Mr. Bradford's like, wow, this hand could cover a lot of ground. I'm like, dude, it's a disembodied hand. The fact that it's a disembodied hand at all, you got to like cut some disbelief. And he's just like, huh? I'm like, forget about it. Shut up and watch the movie, goddammit. This is by far the best of the four stories. This has held up the best of all of them. And if, if there's a reason to watch this movie today, this is it. This kind of a movie, it doesn't get better than this segment with Christopher Lee and the crawling hand. And when you follow, when you get followed up with the fifth segment with Donald Sutherland discovering that his wife may or may not be a vampire, it's really kind of a letdown after it because he built such a great high and then it's like, eh, this should have been in a different order. And finally, it turns out, should I spoil this? Yeah, well, it turns out all these men were dead the whole time because I don't feel bad about spoiling this, and this is why. Because this is the ending to every single one of those anthology movies from the 60s. They're always all dead the whole time. Da-da-da! Okay, so when I was a kid, this movie was the bomb. For some reason, it showed a lot more frequently than other movies did, like maybe three times a year. Remember, this was regular television back in the day before cable, so if you saw something more than once a year, it was a big deal. This was on a lot, and... I remember it from a very young age. I remember watching it with my brother, of course, as I always did. But this was a big family favorite, too. Everybody in my family loved this movie. So I remember memories of, of all of us watching this movie at some point or another. And I guess I've painted it with a lot of nostalgia because on watching it now, it's really not that great. It's okay at best. The problem for me is that the stories all just kind of go, Ugh. there's all this great setup, and then at the end it just goes, Ugh. except for maybe one or two of them. Now, of course, that's me coming at it as a jaded old viewer, but overall, I just wanted a little bit more. But um, nothing's going to take those memories away from me. And, you know, if you're going to watch, if you like this type of a movie, if you like the old Hammer films, if you love the old Amicus movies, you're going to enjoy this as well because you do get great performances from Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And what the hell more do you want from this kind of a movie? God damn it. But you know what? I'm thinking about all the good memories that this brought back of my childhood and my family in particular and things like that. So maybe if you've got a kid in the family, uh, you know, eight or nine, who's not super into horror movies, and you want to... This is a good movie for them. This is a good movie for the family to sit down and watch together. You don't have to worry about sex or language or any particular gore. And I don't think it's going to give anybody nightmares either. It's, it's one that, as a kid, after watching it, I felt like a brave motherfucker. And maybe that's what you need for your kids. You know, maybe sit down as a family and watch this on Netflix Instant Watch and make some new memories courtesy of me thank me for it later and if it doesn't work out you could not send me the therapist bill how about that and so while dr terror's house of horrors is not going to keep you up at night it's going to keep you entertained so it's on netflix instant watch so by all means check it out when you have a slow night and if we've learned anything from this sometimes peeking inside your nightmare closet the scariest thing in there is that pair of parachute pants you wore to your ninth grade dance let's not ever talk of these again Instead, let's go out with some fake West Indian ethnic music. Yay! On the islands we all have fun, singing, dancing, and drinking rum. Boys and girls kissing in the sun, everybody's got love. Cupid's busy here every day, shooting arrows off every way. Young and healthy or old and gray, everybody got love. Just look at me, or talk to anyone you see. Hey, what about this? Everyone don't be shy Now I told you the reason why Kiss your troubles and cares goodbye Everybody's got
Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul? 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 That's right, kidlets. It's time for another edition of the Crab Shoot. For those of you who are taking your virgin voyage into Scream Queen's territory, the Crab Shoot is a segment of the show where I dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. Will I find it this time? Only time will tell. The movie we're talking about this week is from 2007 called Skull and Bones, directed by T. Slaughter. Now, you guys have been saying I've been way too kind lately and been so nice to so many movies. Well, fucking get ready. It's gonna get ugly in here. Take this time during the trailer to prepare your senses. Because, oh my, I've got some things to say. Surprise, asshole! You're dead! (laughs) Work sucks. School sucks. Life sucks. Now sex sucks, too. Yeah, we're just like a couple old dykes. What else we gonna do in this bullshit town? (laughs) Talk about the haves and the have-nots. Living like it's... East Berlin up here. Why don't you two sorry-ass, low-class losers go back to the other side of the tracks where you belong? (laughs) It's time for common dudes like you and me to get even with some of those fucking snotty ivies. This is about the end of your fucking life of suburban elite bullshit. That's what it's about, you faggot. I've got an idea. We were tapped, along with 11 other Ivy men, to become knights of the venerable order of Skull and Bones. Watch it, Chad. Skull and Bone! Look, we've got Skull and Bones, too! You heard the man! Hurry up, asshole! We sure taught that fucking stuck-up closet case a lesson, huh, Nathan? Hell Hell yeah. yeah! You bastard! Bring it back! Wake up, fucker. Wake up. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! My baby! Oh, my God! I'm in the Thank guy. And you're going to like it, just like that horny slut Monica did. Now, before I completely unleash on this film, I want to take a few moments to at least be somewhat democratic. Um, I want you all to take a moment to say a word of thanks to whatever God that you worship or don't worship. Say a prayer of thanks to the universe, whatever, and be happy that this is an audio podcast and that you did not have to sit through the visuals enclosed in that trailer that I just played for you. Had I seen the trailer before I'd seen the movie... I would never have rented it. 
Uh, I rented it because it was listed as a gay horror movie. And, in fact, its tagline is a tale of homocidal mania. Get it? Homocidal mania. To be perfectly honest, I don't know what this movie is. I don't know how to classify this movie. But, you know what? I'm ahead of myself. Let's just talk about the story, shall we? Now, the story follows these two losers that I guess are supposed to be lovers, gay lovers, though they don't seem to love each other very much. And they're just malcontent with everything. They're bored with each other. They're bored with school. They're bored with life, blah, blah, blah. And they whine about it for the next hour and 15 minutes. The film opens with them finishing some not-so-exciting sex, which causes the... I don't even know these guys' names. There's the big one and the little one. So the big one rolls off the little one and says... That was boring. Yeah, we're just like a couple old dykes. What do they call it? Lesbian bed death syndrome? Yeah. It's no different than all the other shit we have to put up with. Work sucks. School sucks. Life sucks. Now sex sucks, too. Guess what, Sunshine? Your movie sucks, too. Oh, but <laughs> there I am again, getting ahead of myself. Anyway, big guy rolls off of little guy in their post-coital non-bliss. And, well, he does that thing. You know when f movie makers are making a genre movie? Let's say a horror movie. But they really don't know anything about horror movies. Or really the genre at all. Or have any respect for the people that actually enjoy that genre. So they do things like to pander down to the audience. Like listing a whole bunch of other much better movies to make them sound cooler than they actually are. Well, we get a lot of that. Right about now. I feel like the only thing that turns me on is really twisted horror. Silence of the Lambs. Hannibal. Texas Chainsaw, Last House on the Left. Seriously, is that the best you can do? That's as twisted as you can get? What, was Bambi not available on the shelf that day? Please continue. Really mean revenge movies. Dirty Harry. Death Wish. The zombie movies. Romero. Dawn of the Dead. Awesome. Aren't you just totally engaged with these guys now? Don't you feel like you're totally one of them and you speak the same language? Oh my god, we've seen the same movies. We can name a director and his genre and make a noise and not really say anything about the movie and just shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Is he done? Is he done? No, he's not. God damn it. Oh, because this is a gay horror movie, remember? So we have to talk about gay things, sort of. Speaking of homo killers, there was that other case recently where those two guys drugged, raped, and tortured that Arkansas kid, Jesse Dirkheising, made him their sex slave for weeks back in 99. Gave him an enema with one of the guy's piss as the liquid. Fucked him with a cucumber, a banana, a sausage, a douche bottle. Sick shit. <sighs> I don't know, sounds like a slow night the lure to me, but that's not the point right now. The point is that these are malcontents and they're unhappy with their entire lives. And you see, they live in the town of New Haven, Connecticut, which, as you may or may not know, is also the town where a certain Ivy League university is. A certain Ivy League university, which we never name by name because they would probably sue the hell out of us, even though we keep showing shots of the grounds and things like that in the main buildings. Clearly shot without any permits, but that's not the point right now either. They decide that they're going to get revenge on all these uppity ups that treat them badly. So they go to this upscale Ivy Bar. A bar that is so upscale and exclusive that they serve the drinks out of plastic cups. But I digress. Anyway, in the bar are these four guys who are clearly, you know, the cream of the crop of the Ivy League. And they're in the back and they're allegedly drunk. Uh, 
the other guys keep saying that they're drunk, but they both are all acting pretty damn normal to me. But that's not the point right now. Anyway, Chad is really chatty. Chad announces that they've been inducted into the secret society of Skull and Bones, which you may have heard about in the news. And it's such a secret society that he talks about it for nonstop for about seven minutes. See if I'm kidding. See, last fall when we were juniors, we were tapped, along with 11 other Ivy men, to become knights of the venerable order of Skull and Bones. Watch it, Chad. Skull and Bones? It's a secret society. Ivy's got a bunch of them, right? But Skull and Bones is by far the most elite. It's also the oldest. It dates back to the early 1830s. CIA was started by Bonesmen. And, of course, three U.S. presidents have been members, including our homeboy George W. and his daddy. <laughs> yep. Now the power's being turned over to us. Chad, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're way too drunk. What? But does Chad shut the fuck up? No, of course she doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, shut up. He keeps talking is what I'm saying. We get together every Thursday and Sunday for some drinks and uh, male bonding over at the tomb. That's what they call the Skull's Temple. It's that Greco-Egyptian pile over on High Street. Has no real windows. None of the temples do. I'm sure you've seen it. Jesus Christ, Chad, just make a Google map for us. God damn it. Temple's also sometimes known as the Boodle. That's because Sundays are Boodle Ball nights. <laughs> we clear all the tables out of the dining room. With, so we have a 60-foot-long arena with two fireplaces at the end. Fireplaces serve as goals. And then with a half-inflated ball, that's the Boodle Ball. <laughs> we play this really fucking brutal game. Oh, for Christ's sake, who the fuck cares? Who cares? Did anybody ask for an entire history of the Skull and Bones? No! Shut up! Take your boodle ball and shove it up your ass! I don't care about your half-inflated balls, Chaz! Get on with the goddamn movie! I can't believe I'm saying it, because this is a huge piece of crap, and I don't want to hear you talk anymore! Is he done yet? No. Anyway, it's all pretty much common knowledge since that book came out in 02. Secrets of the Tomb? By the way, that part of the book about our initiation, about how we take turns lying naked in a coffin while we jerk off and tell each other stories about our teenage sexual experiences. <laughs> Total horseshit. Who cares? Do you care? I don't care. Anyway, eventually this, eventually this all leads to this altercation. What? Drama happening? Conflict? Not just narration? Oh, wow. Everybody wake up for a second. Something's happening. What do you guys do? We go to Shoreline. Shoreline? You mean SCSU? Shoreline, Connecticut State University? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay, I literally cannot stand any more of this. What happens is, the, the rich guys are all like, Ugh, you're losers, get out of the bar. And this leads to the limpest shoving match I have ever seen in my life. It's like, eh. no, you get out. And the bouncer throws them out, and they are just the two guys, little asshole and big asshole. They're just so upset. They're so angry that they're going to get revenge on these four guys. They're going to show them what it's really like. And they concoct this whole plan to kidnap them, rape them, and hold them for ransom so that their rich parents pay them all this money. But eventually they say, fuck that. Let's just rape them and kill them. So they do. But before they do, there's the whole scene where they have to entice these guys into the van. Now, this movie is terrible, okay? If you haven't gathered this by now, this movie is fucking awful. However, there's four guys that they want to kidnap, right? Every time they show the scene with them coming up in the van to kidnap the guys, 
half of the scene is exactly the same. Like, they use the same shots and the same dialogue, and they just splice in the other guy, the kidnapped guy's dialogue. And so, as a result, you see virtually the exact same scene four times. So I'm watching this with Mr. Brad. As a result, by the end of the fourth time, we're reciting their lines with them. We know their dialogue by now, and unfortunately, it's, it's ensconced in our brains now, and we spew it out all the time. And you know what? I'm just going to play one of the scenes, just so you get the idea. Hey, Skull and Bones, Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones! Look, we've got Skull and Bones, too. Hey, awesome. Where do you get those? <laughs> you want some? Sure. Hey, where do I know you guys from? Heraclean Athens, guy. Right. Awesome. You heading home? Yeah. Why? We'll give you a lift. <laughs> no, thanks. We've got some blow here, guy. Oh, yeah? How much you want for it? We're not dealers, man. Jesus. It's just to share. If you're interested. We're not dealers, man. Jesus. It's just to share. If you're interested. Literally, the exact same scene over and over and over and over again, and it never gets out of our head. It's become this weird in-joke, and in a weird way, it's the best part of the movie. Now, remember I told you that Bradford and I went to see Arcadia on Broadway back in the introduction to the show? Well, this is where it comes back. Because in this particular scene, in Skull and Bones, he's like, hey, where do I know you guys from? And the guy's like, Periclean Athens, man. And for a while there, neither one of us could put together what that meant. And we're like, oh, okay, finally I figured out, okay, it means like the Athens of Pericles, the philosopher. And oh, okay, now we get it. Now, in Arcadia, there's this Tudor guy. This is this scene that takes place in the 1800s. There's this Tudor guy, and the, manor of the, the woman of the house turns to him and she goes, You know, Septimus, I am really quite unfamiliar with the Athens of Pericles. Perhaps you can come in the other room and show me. And the two of us were like, ah, Periclean Athens, man! Periclean Athens! Yeah, awesome class! We're such losers! God, this movie has ruined us forever! So, eventually, they kidnap all four of these guys, and they rape them, and they kill them. And you know what? This movie is fucking appalling! I'm, if I have made it sound cool in the slightest, you are wrong. I love you, but you are very much mistaken. This movie is wretched. This movie is an abomination. This... I don't even know who the fuck this movie was made for. You know, it's being passed off on the gay community and the horror community. It's got no thrills in it, and there's nothing gay about it except that there's gay rape in it. A lot of it. Extensively. With people you don't want to see naked anyway, but when it's rape, that's really not the point. Yeah, so they rape these guys, and for some reason they feel the need to wear Clinton and, and Bush masks while they do it, if it's not grotesque enough. But they don't just rape them, but they put, you know, bananas up their ass and shove baseball bats up their ass and just just pretty much anything ridiculous you could shove up somebody's ass they shove up their ass you know you see shit dripping down their legs you see cum dripping down their legs it's not erotic it's not scary and it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever there's no comeuppance there's no climax to the film the last guy they decide to make into a voodoo blowjob zombie whatever the fuck that means somehow they get a hold of that zombie dust crap you know from serpent in the rainbow yeah they get it from their polynesian drug dealer who's name is are you ready for this eugene the poo gene i don't know what that means but it sounds really fucking offensive and they go through the whole ceremony and poof it works so they have a blowjob zombie end of movie who the fuck was this movie made for why was it made it's not entertaining it's not titillating it's not scary it's not anything it's just grotesque and not even in a good way not like in a serbian film kind of way or an exploitation film kind of way it's just why 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 I guess it's for people who like rape. 
and seeing attractive frat guys be, you know, brutalized and demoralized. The people who I feel bad for in this are the actors, not the guys who played the rapists, because these guys are clearly assholes, but the, the poor frat guys who demeaning, demeaning stuff happens to them. Just appalling. It's stuff basically also you couldn't survive. I'm sorry, if, you, if somebody shoves an entire baseball bat up your ass without lube or anything, you're going to die. Even without lube. Forget that. Even with lube, I should say. Did you not hear? Don't you remember when I was talking about someone's knocking at the door? If you have something that big shoved up your ass, it's going to puncture your colon and you're going to die. And what makes me really angry too is that this film is being distributed by Netflix. And I know plenty of filmmakers out there who've got great little films that can't get distributed for some godforsaken reason, yet this piece of crap is clogging up the works. Fuck you! And I'm thinking of you, Peaches Christ, and your fabulous film All About Evil. I'm thinking about Kevin Kangas. He gets to, his, his stuff gets trouble distributed. I know it, 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 women's studies, you know, my friend Melissa. The Fantastic Girl number three, which nobody's seen but me, and they should have, goddammit. And, and the Puppet Monster Massacre, and, you know, Italian zombie movie. Where are you guys? You're not out there, but this piece of shit is. Fuck that. Fuck you, T-Slaughter. Fuck everybody involved in this movie. Fuck Netflix for putting this under the gay section. Fuck everybody. Fuck you. <laughs> no, 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 fuck you. I hate everybody as a result of this film. I'm sorry I have subjected you to talking about this film for 18 minutes and 15 seconds at this point. And if by any means you are remotely interested in watching this film, I will come to your house and smack that shit right out of your head. This is a warning. This is what the crapshoot is for. I took a bullet for you assholes. And I hope you're fucking grateful because this movie has changed me and not in a good way. You thought I was angry before? Well, I'm angry now. Even Mr. Brad's angry. He stomps around the house with his little monkey fist shaking it in the air going, skull and bones, skull and bones, until he needs Xanax up inserted in his orifices. And I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Don't watch this movie. Let's listen to some nice soothing music. Ah! Cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. calling to give my review of Frayed as the homework assignment. Um, you were absolutely right about the first five minutes and the last ten minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, the very first thing I put on my notes was, whoa, really graphic about the mom's death. No shit. Um, I did have a question. I don't know if you are going to want spoilers or if you just want to beep out stuff, but um, I was really curious about how the little boy got a baseball bat when it looked like he ran straight to his mom. So I was kind of wondering about that from the beginning. And then the very next thing I put was, oh, wow, I like the That's going to come back and bite me in the ass. Um, Let's see, what else? When I first saw Gary after he fell down the hill and then got in the car with, I think his name was Charlie or something like that, um, I noticed when 
the guys later fell on the floor that Gary wasn't wearing any socks, and I was like, hmm. Well, that, I mean, I kind of uh-huh. I figured that, that out right away, but... Everybody figured that out. Uh, what else was there? I was really excited to see Julian get the gun. I was like, finally, someone's smart. Get the, get the freaking gun. That's crazy. Um, a couple other things that I thought about was um, when Gary was in the tree and the frayed man was walking underneath him. I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting camera work. Um, I didn't think that Sarah was that of a girl. I actually thought Veronica was cuter, almost Megan Fox-like. I agree. But she was really, really whiny, and that yes. irritated me. Uh, the boyfriends were total tools, <laughs> and I was actually kind of disappointed not to see them get killed. I know, actually, I thought, thought it would too. be better if we could see some of that. Sarah, I have as a whiny bitch. <laughs> and I knew immediately when Julian shot through the door that she had actually shot that wasn't a yeah. a big surprise. I was like, why don't you look out the window first before you start shooting through the door? Because that would be too smart. Um, and then they finally did find his body, and um, the father was trying to get a hold of the the stepmother and the sister. And then when the frayed man came up behind Jolene, I thought that was very effective. It was very disturbing. Yes. Um, and I guess my main question was, why would you stay in the same house? It seems like it was the same house that um, the mother was murdered in. Why would you stay there? I, I thought that That's would be kind of weird. Um, and then, you know, the last 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, if this is some thing, I'm just going to be really pissed. But, of course, it turned out to be that. And so I was curious about how, you know, how did Kurt keep seeing all these people and what was the freaking picture? And then, of course, the last you know, frame, last 10 minutes, I guess, I was like, oh, duh, yeah, I finally figured it out. It actually took me till the next morning to go, oh, okay, now I see where that's coming from. But anyway, it was cool. Like you said, first five minutes, last 10 minutes, the middle was kind of, uh, actually would have rather seen more killing than we actually did, because we really only saw the guy in the car, um, didn't actually see anything else, but it was a decent movie. Um, I also just finished Dread, which was really good. I think you've talked about it on your show before. Oh, yeah, 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 Dread. But um, anyway, I guess that's it. I've probably taken up more of your time than you really need. If you are wanting to play this, great. If not, and you want to beat the whole thing, that's great, too. Um, Keep up the awesome work. I so enjoy listening to your podcast. I hope you and Mr. Brad are doing awesome with your kitties and that you had a great birthday. Um, my birthday is actually coming up, so we are both Tauruses. Yeah, Taurus. Um, so I guess that's it. All right, have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for calling in, and a belated happy birthday to you, a doubly belated happy birthday to you, because this call was delayed. It was supposed to be last for last show, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to make any apologies, goddammit. Um, you were determined to not make this easy for me because you didn't couldn't just be like Zombart and blurt out your spoiler in like two seconds. And then you had to like stretch it out and like mix it in with stuff we could talk about. And then like, another... so I am going to have to whittle this call down to shit. And I apologize for that. But them's the risks you take when you're dealing with the spoilers. Yeah, I a lot of what you said, though, I agree with. No, 100% I agree with everything. The middle needed more. I wanted to see more gore. There was no reason why they couldn't have shown gore. And I was starting to get annoyed with it. All of those things that you said didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense until the end. Then I'm like, oh, now all that stupid shit makes sense. And sometimes, 
that kind of filmmaking bothers me. Like sometimes I feel like it's a band aid that covers up bad writing. I, know I I can't think of any movies that do this off the top of my head, but you know, M Night Shyamalan comes into my head. But this didn't feel that way. This felt like a nice good goose up the butt. Which and who doesn't love that? Am I correct? Anybody? Anyone not love that? Shut up. I don't want to know you if you anyway. I I, I don't want to know you if you don't. Jamie, thank you so much for calling and moving right along. Jig a dung, dig a dung. Now, before I get any deeper into the listener feedback section, I just wanted to let you guys know, uh, Mr. Brad and I attempted to upgrade my computer to Windows 7 during this past week, and in the process, well, it caused major problems, and there's a whole bunch of data that I can't access anymore, and unfortunately, a lot of that had to do with the show here, so I've had to re-record a lot of stuff, and do a lot of bumpers over again, and... Unfortunately, I lost some emails and voicemails. And I know Mikey from West Virginia, yours was there. Uh, Chuck from Oklahoma. And there was maybe two or three others that I'm sorry, I can't remember who you are, but I know you're gone. And I love that you called. I love that you wrote. I'm sorry that it's gone. It's Brad's fault. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it, it's Microsoft's fault. It's Microsoft's fault. And Brad's. Mostly Brad's. Shh. Okay, now before I get into uh, another phone call, there is some actual email that I'd like to uh, address. Uh, first off, we have a nice little letter from Clayton. Clayton, the ginger lover. You're already barking up my tree, baby. Anyway, he says, Patrick. Patrick! I'm a long-time listener, first-time writer. Just to let you know, sir, I will not be sending you voicemails. I refuse to allow you to mock me with your wit as you play back my voicemail. Smiley face. I defy you to unleash your razor-sharp monologues during the reading of this email. Oh, really, bitch ass? Oh, really? You defy me. You might as well just lube up that ass, baby, because you're going to get raped. Anyway, he continues. Now that that is out of the way, I have to tell you that I love your show. I am lucky enough to have a job that allows me to listen to my iPod for five to six hours a day. Oh, that must be nice, a lazy bastard. Yours is one of the six podcasts that I listen to faithfully. Thanks for bringing sunshine to my day while talking about decapitations and bloodletting. Isn't it weird how I mesh those two together? It is eerie. Anyway, after listening to episode 32, I do have to agree that you tend to swear quite a bit. Well, fuck you. Of course I do. I said that. I say that in my show descriptions. Jaw-dropping potty mouth is in the show description, so, you know, don't act surprised, okay? Anyway, he says, I am a mailman with a mounted root. I listen to your show on portable speakers that I set on my dashboard. Being a mailman, much like an ice cream man, I tend to have children come up to the truck to get mail for mom or dad. I often have to turn the sound down as I never know when an ill-tied goddammit or fuck you will escape from the cab of my truck. More than once I have had the disapproving look from a concerned parent thrown my way as I hand their child the mail with a loud fuck you emanating from my vehicle thanks to your podcast. You, sir, are a hazard to my employment, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's what I'm here for. You know, if you got a job that allows you to listen to podcasts all day, you deserve for me to get you fired. I want want to see that on somebody's termination notice. Termination. Dirty podcasting or some shit. My fault. Like, my name listed. That would be great. Anyway, but the main reason that I have finally decided to write you is my one disappointment with your last episode. Let me get this straight. You were talking about a movie with a girl peeing in a minefield, and you, sir, refuse to make the obvious exploding vagina joke. Good Lord, what is the world coming to? Sigh. Okay, first of all, just because a girl is peeing in a minefield does not mean there's an exploding vagina in the film. And I'm trying to move away from all that. I, my scars are finally starting to heal from that rash of films that I kept reviewing that had vagina after vagina after vagina detonating in my face. 
Do you think I was wishing, I was wishing an exploding vagina on this poor innocent girl who happened to relieve herself? Who happened to heed the call of nature in a minefield? No. No. And something tells me a lot more than her vagina would have exploded. But you know what? I'm sorry you weren't expecting an, uh, an exploding vagina joke. But as I've learned, vaginas explode when you least expect them to. Make a note of that. It's like my grandmama used to say. A watched pot never boils, and a watched vagina never explodes. On a serious note, I just wanted to lend my support, albeit late, for you and Mr. Brad in regards to your incident on the street with the asshole that gave you the disapproving looks as you attempted to comfort Mr. Brad. Yeah. I think that if you are lucky enough to find that one person in life that loves you for who you are, you better hold on to them for dear life no matter what. Okay, time to get off my soapbox. Oh yeah, I rec uh, recently several blockbusters went out of business here and I picked up a lot of horror movies for cheap. I happened to get Frayed, really. So I thought, yes, Patrick gave me a homework assignment to watch Frayed and now I can watch it and give my opinion. Yay! Frayed, really, what can I say? Time in my life I'll never get back. Patrick, I hold you responsible. You owe me an hour and a half. And goddammit, Blockbuster, I want my $3 back. Well, you know what, Clayton? You are in the minority here. You and Mikey from West Virginia didn't like the movie. Everybody else had their minds blown by it. You know, maybe if you weren't so worried about what other people's vaginas were doing and concentrating on the important life lessons that I'm trying to teach you here, then you would have enjoyed the film more. And you know what? If you hold me responsible for that hour and a half, I'm responsible for you still having a job because I haven't really unleashed yet. Now that I know that you have an issue with your employment and my cursing, I'll find a way to time this out just perfectly. You know, Mr. Brad is a computer genius. He'll find a way to get some sensor downloads with the podcast that infects your iPod that whenever a child approaches, somehow it sends a signal and like, all of a sudden this hidden file of cuntalicious profanity will come spewing. For I don't know, I got nothing. Shut up. Anyway, well, I don't want this to last too long, too late, so it'll end here. Thanks for the show. I really appreciate it. There have been several times during your podcast that you have made me laugh and spit coke the pop out all over my window. After that, sir, I thank you. Signed, Clayton, the ginger lover. P.S., if I swung that way, Patrick, you would definitely be right up there as I love fiery redheads. That's because we're awesome. It's just the way it is. Thank you for understanding that, and thank you for appreciating my people, even if they have the wrong genitalia. The other thing I happen to appreciate, Clayton, even though you don't swing this way, I do like the way you keep capitalizing sir throughout your email. Takes me back to my old leather bar days. Next call. Hey, Patrick, this is Scott, a.k.a. Shader69 of the Shader Shader Podcast. Yay! I'm just calling because I'm listening to the latest uh, episode, and you're talking about Tales of the City, the actor who was in Tales of the City, the yes. really great PBS miniseries, and you say yes. just read the books or see the miniseries. Mm -hmm. I have you one better. This weekend, oh, the musical. I got to see the world premiere oh. musical at ACT in San Francisco oh. of Tales of the City with Miss Judy Kay as, um, as uh, Adam Madrigal. Oh, my God. And Mary Birdsong from Reno 911 and the Martin Short one-man show. She was Mona. Oh, my God. And uh, Wesley, who was in... Um, in um, Rock of Ages and Adam's Family musical, he was in it. He played Mouse. Oh my God, he stole my heart as Mouse. He was so wonderful. The whole show was good. Uh, not perfect, uh, but really, really good. Music by the guys from Scissor Sisters, 
they're gay, you know. And then the book was from the uh, book writer from Avenue Q. Oh, I don't have any names nearby me. I don't have a program near me. But, oh, my God, it was so good. And uh, it's uh, relevant to uh, Scream Queens because, um, cause, uh, ooh, a character gets murdered or accidentally dies. Murdered. Yeah, that's scary. And actually, that whole thunderstorm sequence was really good, really well staged. Lots of lightning flashing, and it was very creepy. But, uh, oh, my God, so be jealous, bitch, because I got to see the world premiere of the new musical, Tales of the City. Now, I really hope it gets to Broadway and you get to see it because it's a great show, and I think you will love it, my friend. I think you will love it. All right, that's me. Uh, thank you for the wonderful shows. I'm glad your life is going better right now. And yeah, hugs to you, my friend. Hugs to you, my brother. And we'll talk to you soon. This is the Seder. Over and out. It is a very good thing that I love you, Scott the Seder. Because I am so green with envy right now. I could snap you like a twig. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Don't you even be thinking about lumping on this. Oh, hugs to you, my brother. Oh, West Coast love. BS after just playing with my emotions for two minutes like you just did. I got nothing to say. Mark your calendars, everybody. Patrick has been left speechless. Oh, my God. Shut up, Mr. Brad. No, I was talking to you. Oh, see, now you see. what? look what you've done. Look what you've done. Because of the domestic disputes. Well done, sir. Well done. Bastard. You know what the scary thing about Tales of the City is? What I'm going to do to you for seeing it. That's what it is. Ha ha. Haha, <laughs> my threats carry no weight. I got no, I can't fool anybody. Okay, next call, please. God. Actually, you know what? Wait a minute. Let's not do that. Let's read another email. I did get another email from Kristen, who is a super fan of Scream Queens. And initially, she sent me an email that was completely blank. And I said, okay, this is meta. But then she wrote, okay, Patrick, this is the real message. Ignore that blank message. That was a goof on my part. See, I thought you were being artistic, so now I'm not impressed anymore. Anyway, she says, I just wanted to drop a line saying how much I love the show. I've listened to all the episodes from the beginning over the past couple of weeks at work. Another one. Another lazy slacker bastard person who I love because you listen. But aside from that, you're lazy, lazy, lazy. Never stop. Anyway, I laugh out loud constantly. I have to say that it makes me extremely happy to hear that you like both Dexter and Warehouse 13. I have been a few, a bit, a, bleh, I have been a huge fan of both of those shows since the beginning, and most people haven't even heard of them. Well, fuck them. That's what I say. If you haven't heard of Dexter, there's something wrong with you. And Warehouse 13, I just stumbled across because it's on Sci-Fi, and normally I don't watch anything on there. But I realized that you know, a lot of people who used to write for Buffy are writing for that show, and giving that it's a a weird combination of 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 um, Friday the Thirteenth the series and Buffy and 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 other things it 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 fills my Buffy hole. And I realize that sounds obscene, but it's not. 
For a while, Veronica Mars filled my Buffy hole. Then it was Torchwood. Now it is Warehouse. Now it is Warehouse 13 that is filling me up and filling me up good. Okay, it is dirty. It is dirty. Fine, it's dirty. Embrace it. I do. Anyway, she okay. She's attempted to friend me on Xbox. Blah 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 blah. I think it worked. I think we're all caught up now. She wasn't sure if we're friends, but we're friends now. We're totally friends now. And she also says I have also have to say how pissed I am that I decided to skip Horror Hound Weekend in Indy this year to go on a cruise. Granted, the cruise was fabulous, but still, I would have loved to have met all the podcasters I listen to regularly, especially you and Mr. Brad. Well, keep well and keep it coming, Kristen in Michigan. Well, honey, baby, it's the only way I can keep it. Keep it well and keep it coming. Just not in your eye because it burns, as I say often. Um, Well, thank you so much for writing, Kristen. I'm glad that we are friends on the Xbox. I wish I had more to say on there lately, but it will come. It will come. I really now have to stop staying calm because now I'm embarrassing myself. And you know what? A cruise... A cruise instead of scenic Indianapolis in March? Okay. To each his own. Anyway, thanks for writing, baby. Keep listening. And now we're going to take a call. Hello, Patrick. This is Hello. Jay calling from my diving bell. <laughs> I have watched hey, a couple of horror slash genre flicks. Not necessarily horror, but close. And I thought I'd give a mini review. Ooh. First of all, Primal. Yes. The fuck? Australians are weird. <laughs> if you have not seen Primal, I could not tell you if I liked it or not. Part of me did. Part of me did not. Part of me was just thoroughly uh, creeped out a little bit. Uh-huh. Aliens versus ninjas. Graphic, violent, awesome. Okay. What do these two films have in common? Well, um. attempted tentacle rape. That is what <laughs> both of these films have in common. I am pulling a Patrick theme. You, know, you had exploding vaginas. I is, apparently am watching films with attempted tentacle rape. Tentacle rape. rape. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tucker and Dale. Yes. Uh, you saw a horror hound, as did Zombart. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have known you two were in the screening for that, because I was also in the screening for Tucker and Dale with Wes from Drunken Zombie. We were in there watching that together. Douche. And... Uh, Holding hands. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Laugh out loud moments. Uh, Me too. I'd probably buy it if it if I got a good deal on it. Um, I I I enjoyed it though. I thought it was an interesting take, a pretty original flick, and I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, Could use more technical rape though. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, I saw the trailer for Alone in the Dark, which I'm hoping some others out there have. That's the uh, Guillermo del Toro. <sighs> I guess. It's don't be afraid of the dark, you idiot. Idiots. Trailer looks really good. Idiots. In my opinion, looks pretty creepy. I'm excited to see that. Film. Yeah, well, you'll be seeing the wrong movie, you uh, douche. I did not get to go see Insidious recently. I was supposed to go see Insidious recently. Um, but some things came up, and instead my mother and sister went to see Insidious without me. Oh. I was not pleased by this. I, for one, really enjoy a good ghost story. So um, I was looking well, you missed to out. It. But that's okay. I will catch it eventually. I know you kind of liked it. I liked um, it a lot. And I've heard some good things. I've heard mixed reviews, but a lot of times it's from people who don't like ghost stories. Because you have to like a ghost story uh, to like a ghost story. That, the, fuck that. that doesn't make any sense. That, anyway, that was heavy. What man. I mean by that, that was is deep Confucius. most ghost stories are a little bit slower. Um, not just over-the-top action in your face. 
they're more psychological and creepy and mm-hmm. less special effects driven unless you're a Steven Spielberg remake of a movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones, in which case what? right in the middle of the movie you can mark the spot where it went from okay movie to utterly oh, ridiculous. Oh, that movie. And Ugh. Special effect CGI laden movie. That's really all I got. Um, as far as me leaving long voicemails, tough shit, get over it. I don't talk to you <laughs> nearly often enough, and this is my means of contact. I snorted. I don't call that often. Seriously. I mean, you know, whatever. We miss you, dude. What are we supposed to do? All right. Uh, I will now make way for Zombart because he always has a lot to say, but it's okay because usually it's decent stuff. Usually. Usually. Really. Don't encourage I him. I get to meet Zombart for like a minute at Horror Hound. I let him know it was him because he was dressed up like Meatloaf. You know what I'm talking about. Actually, he is but Meatloaf. Zombart, it was nice to meet you, sir. I envy you. I would like to get to New York sometime to, to get to hang out with Patrick on his turf as well. Maybe someday that'll happen. Uh-huh. But anyway, now I shall make way for Zombart because, you know, you know he's going to leave a voice. You know, exactly. He's Zombart. He's like part of your show now. Wait, he's inevitable. All right, Patrick. No, Brad. We said, hey, man, what's up? And we will talk to you later. Bye. Okay, thank you, Jay. Talk to you later. Yeah. And, of course, beloved listeners, that was the magical, mystical Jay Emmett from Penny Cult Radio, or whatever the fuck he's doing these days. Go check it out at pennycult.com, and I don't know. You figure it out. It's too complicated for me. Well, Jay, you had a lot to talk about this time, which is unusual for you. Normally, you just take a little bit to talk about and stretch it out for a really long time. But this this, this was chock full of content. Okay, Primal, yeah, I understand your problem. That's why uh, I think Betty and Durwood are going to agree with you there. Uh, I haven't seen Alien vs. Ninjas, but now I have a reason to. Now that I know that there's a whole connection, that there's a theme, that there's tentacle rape, and, you know, Jay, if you're enjoying this tentacle rape thing, you should go check out Galaxy of Terror. That's got, well, it's more of a giant worm rape, but worm, tentacles, it's all the same. Plus or minus a suction cup or two. I'm glad you like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. I liked it a lot as well. I also think it's a buy if the motherfucker ever comes out. And it would have been nice to have known you were there, but I was really drunk and probably wouldn't remember you being there anyway. And you'd have even more dirt on me to spread around. And uh, yeah, it's Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Not alone in the dark. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark was a 1970s TV movie which scared the hell out of everybody at the time, which I saw recently and was like, really? That was it? I I mean, I saw it as a kid and I remember it. I hadn't seen it since I was like five and I still remember the end of it. Yes, we have all the time. All the time in the world. I remembered that clear as day, the last line of the movie. And I watched it and was like, wow, that was something. But I'm sure Guillermo is going to do something crazy with it. And you know what? You are like a total psychic because guess who's next? Zombart. As inevitable as the moon pulling the tides. As inevitable as a house full of women getting on the same cycle. As inevitable as Stewie D getting a boner for a $2 hooker. Here he is. Zombart. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombart Cullen. Oh, my uh, God. It's Zombart. What a surprise. Rick from work. I just listened to your last show. I wanted to... Um, Drop some thoughts before I forgot them. First off, that Zombar guy that keeps calling, God, he's a boring. He just, uh, 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 uh all the time. Yeah, uh, I don't know how you put up with that shit. We all you know, know. I wouldn't. And, yeah. But I wanted to say, I'm sorry I did not get to see the Ryan case. Um, uh-huh. For those that don't know, I was able to get to New York 
for probably all of three hours last weekend, and it's basically, mm-hmm. I, well, okay, don't be jealous, but I kind of hit the jackpot. I have a new girlfriend whose parents work at the Spider-Man Theater, so they got us, um, like, free tickets to, like, the eighth row. Uh-huh. Um, they got me, actually, there's, there's, there's points for those that don't know the Spider-Man musical where, you know, Spider-Man's flying through the air and they have all the harnesses and all that, but he, like, lands in the audience and jumps back up and shoots web and everything, and Spider-Man basically almost fell on me twice because uh-huh. he lands, like, right in front of me and we were right in front of, like, an exit row. Try harder next all time, the Spider-Man. Wanted. And, yeah, brag, 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 whatever. Um, but I, I just wanted to say, it wasn't because I didn't want to see the Ryan case. Liar. It was just, basically, we were up for a wedding. She turned to me and said, hey, you want to go see a show? And I was like, okay. And she's like, okay, my mom has Spider-Man. We can go see it for free. And I was like, ah! So, yeah, had, had to do it. Um, by the way, good show. Um, Don't care. Uh, I won't, uh, the, 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 the soundtrack is strong in parts and not strong Original in cast recording. Tunis at all. Score! I think, because I heard that it all... I mean, the show I saw was extremely campy, and the Green Goblin was basically a lounge singer, which was hilarious, frankly. Um, but I heard it was much more cerebral before, and all this stuff with the legend of Arachnia, and, like, the the spider lady inside uh, Parker's head that, like, I don't know, whatever that garbage is. I heard there was a lot more of that before, and that was easily the weakest part of the show. Except for that bully song, which really sucks. You'll hear it one day. You won't like it. No, I won't. But the choreography is good. And Spider-Man only got hung up once when he uh, was going for the side swinging. And he missed his mark and swung back. It only paused the show for about five minutes. Which isn't too bad, I guess. And it was pretty funny to watch the people on stage trying to improvise something there. But, yeah. Um... So, yeah, that's why I couldn't see you in Ryan Cave. I will be up there again. I still want to see Book of Mormon, and yes, we will be there. I got the soundtrack. It is amazing, hilarious. Original cast recording! Everything. Um, notes on your last show? I'm, I don't have any movie notes, but I haven't seen your show. Um, yeah, I'm I know. I'm giving you notes. I know. It's a terrible thing. But I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm here to help you out, okay? Um, you were talking about... Oh, it's blanking in my head now. You have the D-A-D, uh, the uh. dogs always die, and you're looking for something about pissing. So I got one for you. And it's basically urine will eventually bring on loving. And I'll let you figure out what that anagram is for because it's awesome. And usually when I think of him, I think piss. So, yeah, I don't know okay. why. Okay. That's how it is. Um, I also heard that uh, you're looking for the name of when the belly hangs out over the pants and hanging below the shirt yes. and everything. And I was thinking, well, there's banana hammocks out there. Maybe this is a banana awning or something. Yep. You know, something to cast a shadow. Keep it cool, Shut up. Keep it moist. You know, what, what you, what you got to have. And my final thing before I run off and back to work is I just wanted to tell you, <clears throat> Vaughn gave you a pretty good uh, description of the smell of, uh, yeah, yeah. But he didn't. He failed to neglect the taste. He didn't. He didn't talk about. It, and that's really the best part. Um, so put this in your ear hole. If you can imagine tasting sour milk and pennies, you're right there. So yeah, that's it. I'll talk to you later. Toodles. Bye. Ah! 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 Ah!
my neighbors probably think there's a pterodactyl in the apartment. Holy fuck. What is the matter with you? Jesus Christ. You know what? I hope I never meet your new girlfriend because when I do, I'm going to bring that up and tell her where I got it from. I'll say, Zomot says that you taste like sour milk and pennies. And not only did he tell me, he told my entire listening audience. You all heard me. You all heard it, motherfuckers. You all heard it. We have a witness. Can I get a witness? Ew. You know what I mean? It's bad enough you blow off my stellar performance to go see fucking Spider-Man where the new standard of excellence is oh, and only fucked up once. I only hung up the show for five minutes. I'd be paid $250 ticket for it, even though you, you, you fucked your way in, you whore. And your anagram... I can't figure it out. I don't really care. And you know what? It was about urine. And I, my, my rule is not specifically for urine because there's actually a hell of a lot more pooping in horror movies than peeing. I, I, I've been keeping a bell chart in my bell bottoms. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Now, don't think I don't. Because now I want to go stay. No, I know. I just. I, I, you know what? This show is over. Forever. Zombar has broken the show. Yeah, and when Zombar breaks the fucking show, it is time to wrap this puppy up. But before I go, we still have some unfinished business here, you know, because we have a contest winner to announce. <sighs> now, as many of you remember, last week I asked you a question. I asked you who could I, who amongst you could identify. The singer of the song that I played in between the reviews of the Tribeca horror movies. And while I got many, many, many responses, all of them were only partially right. Because you might remember that I said there was two possible answers for this. They're both right, but one, if you know me well enough, is the one I'm looking for. While many, many of you answered, and Margaret, while that is correct, what I was really looking for is, well, why don't you tell them, Mr. Announcer? And now, the star of our show, Anne Margrock. That's right, Anne Margrock from the Flintstones. Yes, yeah, so uh, only one of you got that right, and that would be Christopher K. from Chicago. Even though he's a lying cunt face, you have a copy of... Robert R. Betts Lakewood Memorial winging, your w- winging its way to you just as soon as you send me your mailing address, baby. You know where to find me. As for the rest of you, next week I'm probably going to be taking a look at Carrie since it's prom season and everything. I'm going to see if I can get Owen off of his ass, and if I can't, I'm just going to do it anyway, goddammit. Time and this show wait for no goddamn faggot. That's right, I said faggot. Anyway, now if you want to be cool like all these other people who have contacted the show... By all means, feel free to drop me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z! Or you can call me at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. But by all means, don't follow too close. I've had Mexican. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, A bird in the hand is worth two in the vagina. No, that's not right. Oh, fuck you. I already said something funny this show. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!